developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you. You define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is Rabbi Pinchas Taylor. Here's a little bit about Rabbi uh, Taylor's very impressive and adventurous life. Rabbi Taylor is an American rabbi, a best-selling author and lecturer, and has spoken across the globe in a wide variety of venues. His books, Pillars of Faith and A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious, are great works of insight and scholarship into the spiritual realm. Rabbi Taylor has been called the celebrity life coach for his work with actors, athletes, and other public figures, and founded The Ark, a successful faith-based study and coaching program. Rabbi Taylor is a certified cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner, a certified clinical trauma specialist, a member of the American Counseling Association, and the Association for Conflict Resolution. Rabbi Taylor is the National Director of the American Faith Coalition and formerly a member of the Governor of Florida's Faith Advisory Board. He's often a contributor on national news outlets. Rabbi Taylor is committed to helping people live better lives through embracing their faith and building positively. This podcast isn't about religion. Today, we're really going to talk about connection, heightened awareness, and living with a higher purpose. So welcome, Rabbi Taylor, to Vision Beyond Sight. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's certainly a pleasure. And boy, in this world right now, with all the unrest, I think your topic is so, so timely um, because it's thrown many, 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 many people around the world into a state of trying to find purpose. And um, and so thank you for being here. You know, I know from friends, family, and even myself, sometimes we really question how to live our life with purpose. You know, why do so many people miss living life with purpose? Well, I, I think that's one of the reasons that broad swaths of our society miss that idea. In fact, the CDC, last time I checked, says that about 40% of of the American people uh, don't live with or know what their purpose is. In other words, they feel like their life does not have purpose or they don't know what that purpose uh, is all about. I I think there are a few factors in that. Uh, Number one is that Without a without a spiritual mindset, that there's something more to uh, 
life and the universe than meets the eye. And uh, if we think that our existence in this universe is simply some sort of cosmic accident, essentially, that God was not involved or that there wasn't something higher that created this universe, well, it becomes very difficult to find purpose in a in essentially what is a cosmic accident. And so if I believe that myself and the universe around me is is an, is an accident, essentially, it's very difficult to find per, uh, purpose in it uh, because there is no purpose. It was an accident. Um, and so that, that transfers into my personal life as well. It's difficult for me to find a personal purpose or identify a personal purpose if my life and the lives of everyone and this universe as a whole is not purposeful, if it's, if it's an accident. So I think part of it is a, is a general worldview that people have. Uh, another another reason that, that I think why people are held up where where a major major part of uh, of uh, of roadblock comes uh, in discovering purpose and living with purpose is the idea of conformity. Uh, we have we we may have certain things and qualities. Uh, ideas, passions, talents, and so forth that we would like to pursue or that we're good at, but there we, we don't go in those directions and we don't live with those things because of conformity. We want to, we, we instead live the way that our family tells us to go, our society tells us to go, our friends tell us to go, where people think that we should go, where, where everybody else goes. And um, that, that kind of puts a roadblock, a big roadblock on our, on our achievements and our pursuit of purpose in our lives. And the impact of living a life without purpose, or it could be living a life with somebody else's purpose, you know, explain some of the impacts of that. Well, it's, it's living a life with, with regret. Uh, that's, that's one thing. Um, one of the there was there was an interesting book that was put out ten or fifteen years ago. There was an Australian uh, nurse, a hospice nurse, and she, in, in speaking with people towards the end of their lives, uh, began asking them about their lives and what what their greatest accomplishments were and their happiest moments were and their you know, all the ups and downs that life has to offer. And one of the questions that she asked people was what was what are some of the regrets that they had in their life and uh, she decided to after speaking with hundreds of people to to write a book about the regrets of the dying like what are some of the common regrets that people have and i think her her, her reason for wanting to to publicize it was that listen if this are, if there are common things that that are that people are regretting towards the end of their life, maybe someone who's not at that stage yet can can read some of these things and make sure that they're not going to be in the same place when they get to be that age. And right. do you know what the, do you know what the, the most common regret was that she published in her book? Right? The number one common, the number one most most regretted thing amongst those that are nearing the end of their life. The most. The most was was not living a life that is consistent with who they were and what they wanted, but living with everyone else's 
expectations and and uh, the directions that they thought that they would go. They said if there was one thing that they could change, I wish I had the bravery to live the life that I wanted to live, do the things that were important to me, pursue the path of the things that I was good at and passionate about and so forth, as opposed to just sort of going in the direction of those that of those that were around me or what society had sort of pushed me in that direction. You know, Rabbi, that's not at all surprising, but it so touches my heart and makes me sad because I know so many people that already express that and they're not, they haven't died. And they could be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and they're still expressing, I wish that I could, you know, or would have, you know, the coulda, shouldas, would have kinds of things. And, and so the big question is, you know, what are some of the practical ways that people can either discover, I, I think a lot of people know, but they either don't have the courage to shift or change or, 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 or is that bad path, but what are some practical ways that a person can discover their unique purpose? Okay, so that's that is the million dollar question, but I but I think um, I, I can give at least four different um, four different ideas to consider that meshed together. If a person sort of thinks about these four particular steps, they they can have a pretty good idea of what their purpose is. They can kind of hone in on it a bit. So the, the very first question I think for a person to ask themselves is what am I good at? What are the things, what are my, where are my talents? So uh, talents, talents are something that a lot of people, by the way, uh, sort of, sort of shrug off because they, they look at their, they look at themselves, they look at their abilities. And we tend to think of talents as something that you can enter into a talent show with. Right? My talent is juggling or my talent is singing. Well, if I'm not a good singer or a good juggler, then I, and I can't, there's nothing that I would enter into a, a talent show with that I must not have any talent. Well, that's, that's not correct because there are certain things, even subtle things that you may have that are, that you just have a knack for naturally and you do better than the vast majority of the people either in your circle or in, in society in general. It's subtle things like having a sense of humor, subtle things like being a good listener even mm-hmm. are things that you have a natural uh, a, a natural ability and a natural talent in, and that is that is a good starting point for a person to sort of figure out what it is they should be, um, what it is they should be investing their 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 time into, their their uh, their energy into, uh, and, and so forth. The it, it's interesting because our talent. See, I, I'm 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 a rabbi by training, um, a coach by practice. But a lot of the ideas that I discuss and and uh, live with in coaching are, are obviously framed by a spiritual mindset, a re- even a religious mindset. So I, I, I believe in God, and I believe that God created the world for a purpose, and each individual for a purpose as well. And every talent that everybody has is something that is a gift from God. In fact, we, we even call them gifts. Well, the, well, that person has a gift. Well, we even call them gifts. 
So each thing that a person has that they're talented in is a gift from God that is meant to be utilized for making this world into a better place. Within your own circle of influence, within your own sphere, you know, you don't, we don't have to leave an impact that literally changes the world, but if you make your corner of the world better, you're going to feel like you lived a life of purpose and you're going to actually have lived a life of purpose. So these gifts that have been given to us, these talents that we have, that is the starting point of, of what God is, for lack of a better term, investing in you to apply to the world around you. I remember, yeah, yeah. You know, I was just going to say just the awareness and acknowledgement and looking at ourselves to see our own gifts, I think has a major impact just in our lives, period. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So please continue. Well, I was going to say that um, I remember the first time I took one of my young kids with me to the bank. I was making a deposit. I was standing in the line at the bank. And uh, one of my kids, uh, in, in a very cute sort of way, thought that the bank teller that was there must have been the richest person in the entire world, because all <laughs> day long, you have people standing in line just handing them money. You know, that, that's, that's their job, is just to collect money from everybody that's standing in the line. And so I explained to her that, no, that's, that's, that's not really their job is that they hold on to each person's money and they have to put it in the right place. They, they take the money from you and they make sure that the money gets to the right place. And if they don't put the money in the right place, then they're going to run into trouble. But in and, and thinking about that, it's, it's very much like our gifts from God as well, that we are like the bank teller. God gives us a deposit of all sorts of talents and abilities. And our job is to distribute those in the world around us in the proper way. Like God didn't just give you uh, an ability to be a good listener or to have the sense of humor, or to be a talented teacher or to be uh, a singer or a writer or a, a, a therapist or whatever, whatever, whatever scope of talent God has given you, a natural knack for things, the gifts that he's given, we are the bank teller that he's that he's given it, and we have to make sure that it's divvied up accordingly, that it's utilized uh, in the right ways in our in our surroundings. That we that we utilize those gifts in impacting the lives and situations that others have, and that that is that is really uh, that is really a, a a very important and and spiritual way of looking at that. We are simply the bank tellers that are utilizing the account that God has deposited within us towards improving the world around us. So I would say step number one in the discovery of what your purpose is, is the, is the, um, is the assessment of where, where are my talents? Yeah. I love that analogy. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Yeah. So the second thing, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I said, let's, let's look at number two now. So the second thing that I would say is important when a person is looking for their purpose is to, to, to is to think about what you are passionate about. What are the things that kind of get you going, that get you excited, that make you want to wake up in the morning, uh, that you would, even if, if, if all of your finances and, and chores and tasks were taken care of for you, what would you be utilizing your time for? What would you be interested in 
in, in uh, what, what gets you going? You know, where, 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 where's, where, where does your, where does your energy naturally go to? And so I would call those the, the passions that we have in the same way that an animal is attracted to the type of food that is best suited for it. Like the giraffe has a natural appetite for the leaves that live on top of the tree. Right. And, and so, so it constructed in a way where it can reach the leaves that are on top of the tree. Right. So whatever, whatever animal a person, it, oh, excuse me, whatever animal is out there, they, they are built in the way that will motivate them or uh, that they're naturally inclined to have an appetite for the food that is accessible for them with the tools that they have. And each one of us are also composed in the same way that we are, we are naturally passionate. We have an appetite for the things that we were purposely put here in this world to, to make better, to be able to uh, utilize. So when you, you, when you combine your talents and your passion, sometimes you're, ta- you're really good at something, but you're not passionate about it. And sometimes uh, you're passionate about something you're not particularly good at. When you can find the happy medium between what you're good at, what your talents are, and where your passions are, there's, there's, there's somewhere in there that those two can link up, and it's, now we're honing in a bit more on where our purpose lies. So the first step, again, is your talent. The second step is your passion. And finding, and let's call it the Venn diagram of, of writing those things down, the Venn diagram where they meet is, is a more honed-in area of where your uh, purpose lies. And that's what we hope we find, because, again, so many people are talented. The lawyer who's brilliant and reads often has a real passion for kinesthetic movement. And I've seen a number of lawyers become um, um, massage therapists because what they were good and talented isn't necessarily what they're passionate in. Absolutely. I, I I met I met uh, a few years ago a young lawyer who's in his 30s mid 30s um, and he was wondering he was thinking to himself why am I not why am I not happy you know he had, he was he was married he had two children uh, he he had a good he had a good job he was making a, he was making the money that he always wanted to make he just felt very unfulfilled and in our discussions and. Uh, one of the things that he expressed was that the reason he went to law school to begin with was sort of, he went to college. He wasn't really sure what it was that he wanted to pursue. And he was a smart guy. And, you know, the, so one of the, one of the things that his parents suggested was, okay, well, go to law school. If you can't, you know, if you can't, if you, if you, if you, if you don't have a specific thing, so you go to law school, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways that you can use that education. And uh, whatever, it's not going to hurt anything. So you'll go and uh, you'll figure it, you'll figure yourself out. Well, he went to law school. He didn't, you know, he was, he went through it and he enjoyed the, he enjoyed the the learning and the process and everything. But but actually living and being uh, and practicing law was not something that he enjoyed at all. And uh, he wanted to, he wanted to make uh, that that overflowed into the other areas of his life where when he wasn't when you're not happy in your job. Sometimes, even if you have all the things you could want at home, you have a you know a good relationship with your spouse and a, and your kids and and everything is, should is should be hunky dory. 
um, if you find there's there's still a deep sense of dissatisfaction and either there's something off balance, something needs to be um, tweaked. We've got to figure out kind of where that where that place is. But again, I, 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 I could see someone like that, like you said, be a want to go into something like massage therapy or a water ski instructor or something that they just in the enjoyment is that's where the enjoyment is and uh uh that's that, that's that's something that needs to be factored in when we think about what our purpose and where we should be investing our time and energy into absolutely uh, we have about a minute and a half uh, before our break let's uh, go ahead and look at number three of discovering your purpose Sure. So number three is what particular uh, what particular experiences, what unique experiences do you have that uh, shaped you specifically? In other words, uh, either either experiences that you had that were good, or experiences that you had that were not good, or kind of neutral, but it put you put you at an advantage over others. Uh, in in a, in a in a in a way of that you have this skill or uh, ability that you acquired through experience, and I, I think we find that uh, oftentimes people that went through certain traumatic experiences in their childhood or in their even in their adulthood, teen years, whatever it is, that they because they had such a an impactful experience in their life, they wind up dedicating their life or or at least a significant chunk of their life to to helping people that have also gone through that. In the therapy world, many therapists are those that went through therapy themselves. In the addiction world, many of the best sponsors, you know, all, all of the sponsors are people that have, you know, are currently in recovery for decades on end. So sometimes through having that experience, whether it is good or bad experience, uh, is something that is is extraordinarily helpful in showing you where you're where where you can where, where you should sort of invest your time and energy as well. Right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Discover the power of the seeing brain, the creator of your true vision. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's number one bestseller book, Expand Your Vision, helps you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Remove roadblocks and visualize your new lens to see and experience your world. Get Expand Your Vision on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Vision Beyond Sight will help you find clarity in your functional vision and 
and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Join Dr. Lynn each week for a new, exciting episode, Vision Beyond Sight. Can your child organize, really organize? Parents and teachers will have practical, step-by-step strategies and templates to help get their children organized with Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's Organize It workbook. Increased organizational skills create success and confidence in school, sports, and life. Get Organize It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, everyone. We've been having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Pinchas Taylor, who is a rabbi, talking about living a life of purpose. And he was going through uh, four strategies to help people discover life of purpose. So, we uh, let you quickly review the first three and pick up on the, the fourth strategy, Rabbi. Sure. Thanks again for having me. Um, so the the first three that we talked about were where are my talents? Where Number two was where are my passions? And number three is what unique life experiences do I have that kind of set me apart, that give me a unique insight or unique ability in the things that I'm talented and passionate in. And sometimes those things uh, can be, again, perceived as good things that happen to us, good situations that we found ourselves in, or not so good, but we tend to utilize them. We have that extra experience and can utilize them for, uh, for our benefit, for, for accomplishing uh, our purpose. I, I remember, you know, I tell the story to, to, to some people when, when, when talking about these purpose finding tools is when I was, when I, when I was, must've been uh, 17 or 18. I had just, I had just gone to rabbinical school and I was really enjoying it. I was really uh, kind of immersed in study and spirituality. Uh, the, the day started at seven 30 in the morning and it ended nine 30 at night with breaks for meals and it was six days a week. So imagine doing that, you know, year in and year out for quite a number of years. And it's, it's a pretty rigorous schedule, but you kind of, it's, it's kind of neat in the sense that you really become immersed in something. And I came back the first summer for summer break and I was looking for a job and finding a job for the summer is not an easy thing when you're 17 or you're also, there's barely any uh, opportunities open, especially if you're only going to be there for, and they know you're going only going to be there for a few weeks. You're very, very limited on what you can, on what you can do. So I, I really wanted to work. I needed, I needed the money, and um, I found in the want ads of the newspaper. You know, that was that was how you found a job back then, right? Right. So I found, <laughs> right, yeah. I, I found a, a a magazine company that was that was hiring telemarketers. And this was not, this was not something that I 
ever, you know, imagined myself doing it. Not, I don't mean, I don't mean that in any sort of derogatory way. It just wasn't, it wasn't something that I ever dreamed of doing. And I, and I do want to apologize to any of the listeners that I may have called the 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> I, I apologize uh, for for disrupting your 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 morning. Um, but but it was it was it, listen. It was it was it was honest work and it was available and it was available for just the weeks that I needed it. So that's, that's what I did. And, um, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that happened over those seven or eight weeks, whatever it was, was I got pretty good at it. You know, I got pretty good at that. The, the, the deal was if you, if, if the person purchased one of the monthly magazines, they got two of the weekly magazines uh, to come along with it for free. I mean, they had a whole thing and whatever, um, but, but I got pretty good at it and it was, you, you, you become, you, you, you learn how to become not, not I don't want to say more friendly, but you, you know how to sort of uh, engage people and, and sort of talk to them about why is it they would want these magazines about things that they're interested in. And there, there was hundreds to choose from. So, I mean, you really could find something that it was in some hobby that you, that you had and the price was good enough that maybe I hadn't thought about getting a, you know, a water skiing magazine, but you know, (laughs) I'm interested enough in it that uh, I wouldn't mind getting it at my door once a month, you know, for $3.99 or whatever it was. So in any case, but through developing that skill of sales, right. And in selling people things that they didn't really want and didn't really need as a rabbi, it actually became a tool to be able to talk to people and and I don't want to say convince them, but to, to sort of open up the to, to, to again to lack, to use lack of a better term to sell them things that they actually do need and actually do want. You know, if you could sell somebody something that they don't want and don't need, then you can certainly sell somebody something that they do want and do need. <laughs> and and so I, I don't I don't want to use the term sale, but the idea is that it was a was a good tool for me to learn how to um, develop this sort of business relationship that I had that I had learned when I was when I was uh, sixteen when I was seventeen years old. I, again, that was that was not that was not a, a job that I had intended to to have, or it wasn't a job that I wanted to keep for, for for many years but a lot of the skills that i learned from that job as a young person uh, were very helpful along the way in certain business matters in my coaching business in my uh even 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 when talking to folks uh in the jewish community uh not and, and nothing to do with any business matters but uh, there, there are many, there are many people that are not uh, are not embracing a lot of their faith, and um, sometimes when they're presented with different uh, things that they can do that would help embrace their faith more, for for Jewish women, like for example, lighting Shabbat candles on Friday night, um, or uh, for Jewish men, putting on tefillin. So sometimes having that conversation of why it makes sense to do that or why that would be a good thing to embrace uh, is something that 
was a skill that was cultivated in these selling of magazines. So we never know how the experiences that we've had will impact our our overall uh, development and be useful for us in whatever path we choose, even if it's something completely unrelated to to where we are now. So again, the three things that we've covered so far are your talents, your passions, and your personal experiences. The last step, the fourth step in figuring out your your purpose uh, and 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 living with it is where is your current circle of influence? Consider your circle of influence. So you were you live currently in a particular place, uh, and you know through through all of the providence of life, you know certain people and you have so again you have a certain people in your life and you live in a certain place and you have certain connections that you've made throughout the course of your life so those people and that place oftentimes can play a role in your in your purpose as well so those should be part of the consideration uh, for example people that you may know may help you be able to uh, you to to uh, embrace your purpose, to live with your purpose. Someone that you know, you have a connection with this person, or because you live in this place, you you're local to this particular uh, job, or local to this particular organization that can help you further your purpose. So, so all of these things, if we made like a Venn diagram and saw where they connected, that middle point would be what your purpose. Uh, is is meant to be that again. It does, your purpose doesn't necessarily mean that that's the job that you have from nine to five. But where is your energy? Where is your passion? Where is your sense of of meaning being directed? I know many people that their their nine to five is not where they find their purpose. They they work hard all day, but they their sense of meaning comes from something that they do after work or something that they do on weekends or something that they're involved with uh, on the side. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily your occupation, but finding your purpose will overflow into all areas of your life and make life have a, you'll have a greater sense of well-being when doing any of the things that you're doing, when you're working, when you're at home, when you're eating, when you're living the rest of your life, if you're living with purpose in, in what you're meant to be living with, that will overflow into all other areas of your life. And thus the connection to happiness and living a life that you love um, comes into play there as well. Um, what I did want to go back and maybe tie together through these four points of discovery of purpose is the value of religion and spirituality. You've re, uh, alluded to some of these things, but you know, how does that tie this whole discovery of purpose together as does it lead it? Does it integrate it? Uh, you know, kind of take us that route a little bit into the religion and spirituality piece of that. Sure. So happiness is, is directly tied up with living with purpose. Happiness is not something that we find, that we can find in its own right. Happiness is something that we experience as a result of living a life of purpose. 
doesn't mean that you can't have moments of happiness or fleeting senses of pleasure. But what that means is that if you want to have an overall sense of happiness, an overall sense of well-being, that is a direct result of living a life with purpose. Um, and and the, the statistics are in and they are clear as can be that living a spiritual or religiously dedicated life, which inherently contains purpose, in other words, that what, what there any religious ideology is going to be that there's a God that created this world for a purpose, and that's those are the, those, those are major religious values. Uh, that there is, or or even a, a broader spiritual sense that there is just there is more meaning to this universe than what the what our five senses can uh, experience. If you're living with that, the chance, chances of living a life with purpose and therefore being happy are significantly increased. And so uh, the, the, the statistics consistently show year after year in all the Gallup polls and, and uh, polls that are, that are taken that a people that are living religiously driven lives, spiritual lives, those are the people that are happier compared to their non-religious or non-spiritual counterparts. One of, one of the um, over, over the summer, I had the great pleasure of being on a panel with uh, Dr. Sonia Libermirsky, and uh, she's she's considered one of the she's considered one of the greatest um, minds and and. Uh, it, just one one of the leading voices in in the in the scope of happiness uh, that that is alive today. I happened to be sitting with her on a panel um, at a retreat in in California, and one of the things that we were talking about, uh, and it was this idea of purpose and of happiness. Obviously, she's a, a happiness professional, and I was on the I was on the panel as a uh, giving sort of a spiritual and religious perspective on these types of things. And one of the interesting things that she said, and she even wrote this in her book, was that she doesn't have a religious bone in her body, but the evidence is overwhelmingly clear that living a religiously oriented life is, is, a, um, is a major factor in determining a person's happiness. So, so she was coming from an objective place. I saw if, if if it's me saying it, you know, I'm a religious guy, so obviously I want to say, okay, living a religious life makes you happy. But she's completely irreligious, and she said to the point where she says she doesn't have a religious bone in her body. Uh, but but the but the evidence, the the statistics, the the studies that have been done in this area are overwhelmingly clear. You live a spiritual or religiously oriented life, you're going to live a life of purpose, and therefore you're going to be someone who is, chances are, happier than your non-religious counterpart. Well, thank you. That was was the tie-in that I I was interested, and thank you for having statistics on that as well. Um, and it's certainly my belief as well. Um, I would love, I, I have a whole list more of questions for you, Rabbi, but we are running out of time. We only have a couple minutes left. And in that time, you know, if you could tell other young people one thing, why they should consider making a positive impact on our society or our environment, what would you tell them? Sure. Well, I I think the most central 
piece of information that it's important for everyone to know is that you are you are a divine being. You are created in the divine image. You're special, that God gave you a, a mission in this world that he didn't give to anybody else. Um, I remember walking into a school one time and I saw a poster of a, of a monkey coming out of the garbage can and the, the caption read, I know that I'm special because God don't make no junk. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a phrase that really hits home. I mean, God created each person, not superfluously. You are here for a mission. You're here for a purpose. There's something you can contribute that no one else in the world today or in all of human history could, can, can contribute. And so why not utilize that? The same way that no two people are given the same fingerprints, no two people are given the same mission. Where are you in capitalizing on your mission? Why would you not want to embrace that mission? The people who are, who are living with a mission, with a purpose, and, and directing their energies towards it, those are the happiest people. So don't you want to be happy? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, well, like there's every reason in the world to want to embrace these things. But sometimes the, sometimes the immediate gratification and yeah, I'll just, it, it's, I'd rather just sit on the couch and look at TikTok videos or whatever. No, 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 no. Fine. Do that. Do that. But, but live with th- something. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.